Hey guys, before we get into the episode, it blows my mind that we're launching another podcast. And this time, I actually want to feature you guys as a guest. Now, if you're a six-figure entrepreneur who has your own podcast and you listen to the show, I actually want to interview you on our brand new podcast, which is called Six Figure Podcast Rebels. You just need to go to www.top100interview.com and you can apply to get featured. All right, guys, back to the show. Have you ever looked at yourself in the mirror and thought, wow, I really thought I'd be further ahead by now? If so, you are not alone. I've spent the last two years traveling the globe looking for the answers. The problem is, it's fear of failure that was holding me and so many of you back. I realized that no one was telling the real story of entrepreneurship. So I flew to the US, decided to face my fear and go all out to build my million dollar business completely from scratch. But the real question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey and find out as we build our online tribe and share the internet's top marketing secrets. My name is Jamie Atkinson, and this is the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement. What's going on, Entrepreneur Junkies? Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Junkie Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Atkinson, the Podcast Junkie, and boy, have I got a fun guest lined up for you guys today. Uh, we actually planned this interview well over two months ago, and I'm super excited to get my guest on today. My guest today, she's a best-selling author. She's also a TEDx speaker. She's a former stand-in at Warner Brothers, and I don't even know what that is yet, but I'm going to tell you guys that it is something super, super interesting and exciting, and we're going to dig into that in the episode episode. She's also a master of visibility strategies mixed in with a whole bunch of Hollywood techniques. And she's the host of the Visible Entrepreneur podcast. Please welcome my guest, Michelle Lewis. Michelle, what's going on? Hey, I am so excited to be here. I feel like that was a very epic introduction. Well, you are very epic. So an an epic introduction has to be the thing that goes in. So I'm super excited. We were chatting ages ago, it feels like, to actually get you on the podcast. And Mm -hmm. excited because a lot of the stuff that you do and and everything you talk about, and I could just tell from your posts and the way that we were kind of chatting from Facebook Messenger, that you're basically a good person, which is really nice. And uh, (laughs) you seem super kind and nice. But what I love about what you're doing is about the fact that you're kind of helping other people to understand how to get more visibility and exposure. And that's actually really aligned with the kind of what we're doing in our business with the podcasting. Um, But before we dig into all of the questions, because I've got a ton about public speaking, about TEDx, about what the hell a stand-in is in the first place. And I think that's going to be really fun because I've got this vision in my mind of what a stand-in is, but it almost certainly is going to be wrong. So I, I definitely want you to fill us in on the blanks. But before we get into all of that good stuff, I would love for you to just give us a little bit of an introduction about you. And also, if you could tell us a little bit about how you got into this position in the first place, that would be, that'd be super fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I grew up in the film industry. My dad was a director and producer. So I traveled all over the world on film sets like Mission Impossible 2 and 3, Wind Talkers, Paycheck, Face Off, uh, and just fell in love with the world. I then started as a stand-in in TV shows like uh, Pretty Little Liars and Chuck. And I was so excited to one day uh, have my own TV show. And so we shot a pilot, which is kind of like when you're putting together like a presentation, it's like a completed show, but it's not on air. And so we took that to all of these different studios. They all said no. So I went back to my standing gig 
and I opened up my phone one day and it said on Variety that a big studio had picked up a show and it was the name of my show. And I got so excited and I called my dad and said, why didn't you tell me? Oh my gosh, it's in Variety. And he said, I didn't tell you because they took our title. Uh, they adjusted just enough so that it wasn't a copyright infringement and they took it. And it was so devastating to me. I mean, I wrote it, I produced it, I starred in it uh, to have that visibility and that ownership stripped away from me. That's when I decided that this was not the career for me. And I started my first online course and really stepped into the fact that I had all of this surplus of knowledge from the industry and that I could help entrepreneurs inject that into their online business to become celebrities in their niche. So that's what I do now. Wow. I mean, there's so much to dive into there because you've got that amazing kind of Crazy upbringing. Story. Of, of, so your dad's a director and you also mentioned you were on Mission Impossible 2 and 3. So did your dad direct those movies? He did not direct those. He assistant directed and co-produced with a well-known director named John Woo. That's pretty awesome. That's still pretty yeah. awesome. I'm like, I'm like, John Woo. Wow. That's amazing. So um, I love that. And, and I'm also devastated for you with that story mm -hmm. that you just shared about what happened but mm -hmm. you know it's funny because I speak to so many entrepreneurs and it almost feels like the moment before the best thing in the world happens the worst thing in the world happens and it takes that kind of cataclysmic event to push you to change and to become that person that maybe inside you never knew you could be but looking back and reflecting you're like this is the best thing that could have happened to me but Oh yeah. What I want to kind of talk about and, and what we really love to talk about on this podcast as well is getting really real with people because there's a lot of people who'll be listening to this right now who are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs and are maybe in that position where they haven't had that big uh, event happen or maybe they have and they're, and they're struggling with that feeling. So can you talk us through what that was like in the moment and, and, and where your head was at and, and how long it took you to get through and work through that particular process of of, I guess, getting through it. Absolutely. I mean, it's one of the most painful things in the world. Everyone can relate to this in some way, shape or form when you've created something, put your mind, heart and soul into something and had it fail. And I don't know if we're given the instruction that we desperately need growing up, that it's actually a good thing to become an expert at failure because uh, it teaches you persistence and determination. And it helps you see the failures just as vital to your success as the successes. Uh, so for me, there was a lot of mindset work that had to happen. A lot of Joe Dispenza, if you haven't heard of him, grab his book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. It'll change your life. Uh, and it just took me really having to strip everything about myself down to nothing, rebuild it and figure out who was I going to be in the future? Because I didn't want to keep going in the industry that had burned me like that. And I didn't want to keep giving my power away and my ideas away. So it was daily, wake up, do your meditation, go for a walk, come back, be in creative mode for three, four hours, do another meditation, go for a walk, come back, just to retrain my brain so that I could create a new reality. Yeah, because I guess uh, the challenge there is that must have been part of your identity as well. Was there a little bit of, of like, uh, was it difficult to change that identity? It was so hard. I mean, you'll never find, I'm not going to say never, because maybe in the future I will find it, but the camaraderie, the family that you feel on a film set or a TV show is unlike anything else in the world. And so that's what I was used to. 
So I went from having 200 friends and family a day to just me and my pug, Oliver. So that was a huge adjustment. I'm an, I'm an only child. So my husband kept working in the film industry. So he went to work every day. He went to work with the people that I knew. And I had to just kind of sit here and figure out what the heck am I going to do? What can I create? And it was very challenging for sure. I think it takes a lot of grit, a lot of stamina and being able to see yourself as nothing and still worth something to keep building. That was huge for me. Thank God for Oliver. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's I what I'm dogs, saying. That pug. Everything, right? <laughs> so in those, in those early days of trying to figure out about where you wanted to get to um, as an entrepreneur, what was one of the, what was some of the big early challenges that you came up against while you were trying to create that, that kind of business for yourself? One of my biggest challenges, people are going to be really mad when they hear this, but it was WordPress. That was one of my biggest challenges trying to, <laughs> that's back when I used like course cats for my online course. I spent so many hours doing code. It was a nightmare. Eventually I moved on to a different platform, but uh, just learning the language. Entrepreneurship is a totally different language. And I think when we first get started, it's like we cannot absorb enough information. We're subscribing to every podcast. We're on every single person's newsletter. It's so much content overload. And that was my biggest mistake my first six months. So I finally turned everything off, unsubscribed from everything, refused to listen, read a book. I did nothing but create create for a year. And that's what really helped me form my online identity and finally get things sorted out. And tell me about what it is that you created, because I'm super excited to hear about what business you did create, because I, I know now you're doing TEDx and <clears throat> all these amazing things. So tell us a little bit about what actually what that process looked like and what you ended up creating. Absolutely. You're not, I don't think unless you're some kind of genius, you're going to just have the brand that you're meant to have forever. When you first start out, it's going to be messy. It's going to be all over the place. So I started with a brand called Ladypreneur Legacy, and I developed four online courses uh, for video, live streaming, podcasting, and branding. And that was going great for me, but I didn't feel like I was in my zone yet. And that was when I had still some resistance to incorporating anything I learned from Hollywood with what I was doing. So I did was go back to basics. Still, was it a bit raw still at that point? Yeah. And I just didn't, I just didn't want to, it just felt like, I don't know if anyone else has felt this way, but when you've had like an epic failure, you just kind of want to break it from your life and just never think about it again. Mm. And when I started digging into color psychology, cause I wasn't happy with the, um, reception that my brand was getting. I wanted it to be more visible, more viral. I wanted people to be more attracted to me, even just looking at my photo. So that's when I dug into, okay, what's the color psychology I already know from film? What have I learned now? Cause I did go th through some natural healing stuff in my past. So I had to learn a lot about body organ, herb color stuff what can I do to combine those to create a very strategic brand? And that's when I decided on my new brand color. That's when I rebranded a visibility vixen. And that's when I really started looking into my past and going, Oh, well, what if I teach this to my students? And that's how my monthly membership, the visibility lounge started to get someone from the initial start of their color psychology of their brand to their press kit, to guesting on podcasts, to speaking on stage. Um, and then more recently, I launched a program called the Applause Academy, which is very specific to TEDx. Wow, that's really cool. And can you just give us a little bit of insight into some of that color psychology around, let's say, your brand in particular? 
Absolutely. So my brand, uh, I know you guys are listening to this, but I do have a cobalt blue couch behind me. That is my brand color. And that is on screen. I it's seen it, as I thought the, it might be. So on screen, it's seen as the detached color. Blue is a very calming color. It's the color of all of our social media channels that we look at every day. It makes the blood pressure go down, heart rate go down. Uh, it definitely symbolizes trust. And then the body physically interprets color in like this area. I'm pointing to my chest right now, your lungs and your heart. And it, that's your motivation center. So I knew the first thing I wanted my ideal client or my student to feel when they looked at my brand was trust and motivation to change something. So uh, another good example is like orange. On screen, that's seen as a sweet and sour color. So it's very uh, exotic, more sensual, uh, evokes more of a sensory feeling. And then with your body, it resonates down in your pancreas area, which is your balance organ. So one of my students, she recently rebranded to orange because she's all about finding that life, home, work, balance. And that's the one-on-one -on -one coaching that she does. So when she rebranded, did a new photo shoot, watching her increased visibility. I think she's been on five podcasts this month, an online summit. She's booking out her one-on-one -on -one practice. It's been really cool to see what something as simple as color psychology can do for your visibility and publicity strategy. Wow. That's interesting because my brand color is orange and it's just because is I liked it? it and thought it looked cool. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe I should look into some of this color psychology stuff. That sounds interesting. So orange, yeah, we'll talk balance. Yeah. I like that. I like that. So, um, let's talk a little bit more now about, um, kind of how you help people because the, the big thing that I really loved is you were a stand in and you had all of this kind of experience in Hollywood. And, and by the way, just help us out here. What's a stand in? Give us the, give us the picture. So stand in, you are pretty much the body double for your actor. That means, for example, my actress would come out, she'd rehearse her scene once or twice, they'd put the tape marks where she stepped, and then she would go off camera to go get a snack, make a phone call, whatever, and I would take her place. And that's where the camera gets lined up, the sound, the lighting, you do a couple rehearsals until all the movements are correct, and then they call first team, which is the actress, and she'll come back and then they'll roll the cameras and do the take. So you're pretty yeah. much taking the place of him or her whenever the camera is not rolling. I definitely thought you were going to say stunts at one point then like, yeah. <laughs> and then I get kicked in the face and it's wonderful. <laughs> I would never be a stunt man. Hats off to all the stunt men and women out there, man, they got a job. Yeah. Yeah, it looks, it looks painful and dangerous, which is the two yes. things I like to avoid in my life most of the time. <laughs> well, that's amazing. So, um, so talk to me a little bit about TEDx because I, I, I personally, and I'm happy to say this on the podcast, I would love to start doing more speaking engagements. It's something I feel mm -hmm. like it's pretty much a natural progression from going from a podcast. And especially if you've got, you know, a vision that you want to share with people, um, but I'm, you know, I'm at this position right now where I don't really know the steps that I need to take. So, and hopefully there's going to be some people in the audience who are at the same first step, but I hear everybody talking about TEDx because it's got such a great brand behind it. It kind of feels like if you get a TEDx gig, you've kind of made it, you know what I mean? There's definitely that perception. And I know that for me, I went from not having done one public speaking gig to being on the TEDx stage. So it is possible. Of course, do I have like camera training and commercial training? So my presence is a little bit more natural. Absolutely. But TEDx is definitely 
number one. A lot of people think that, oh, this is going to increase my revenue. Maybe, but that's not the point of TEDx. The point are two things. One is to up your credibility, which means your perception, your trust um, in your brand. And the other thing is to spread an original idea. A lot of entrepreneurs, and you'll see them talk about how much they want to do TEDx to share their story. And absolutely, you might have a powerful nugget of your story that needs to be shared, but it needs to be an original idea that any single person anywhere on the planet can relate to. So I think if that's your motivation and you're like, yep, I got that nugget, or even if you don't know exactly what it is yet, but you know you're meant to have that global impact, TEDx is the right move for your career. Well, wow, that's awesome. And and the big thing that you kind of focus on is this kind of visibility and, and why it's so important. So can you share a little bit about the difference between, say, visibility and marketing? Are those two completely different things or, or do they kind of cross over a lot? They definitely cross over. But I think that, of course, when I found a visibility vixen two years ago, visibility was not the catchphrase that it is today. So I think it has suffered some abuse over the last year. And we tend to think that that's just anything we see online. And for me, uh, I look at things, okay, visibility, how you're going to be seen online and on stage, and then marketing, let's figure out specific strategies. And in my case, I like to do them in 90 day sprints so that you can get the revenue result that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. So one is kind of raising your social credibility and how you're seen online with more eyeballs. And then I think marketing always needs a specific strategy. Yeah, I agree. And it's almost like an end goal in mind, right? And um, mm -hmm. so I, I love this idea and I want it to be, I want this episode to be kind of practical for people as well. And sure. I know that before we spoke on this episode, there's a couple of things that you kind of felt like you could bring to the audience. And, and one of them was thinking up a process, um, coming up with a process to come up with the perfect talk. And I mm -hmm. wondered if you'd be okay with sharing that with our audience. Yeah, absolutely. I think the most challenging obstacle that people encounter when they want to do TEDx is they have no idea what they're going to speak about. If you're thinking of something like, what is my signature talk going to be? Because in an ideal world, you'd be able to go and give this six to 12 minute TEDx talk, but also book a stage the next week like I did and be able to give a 45 minute talk. So I think it's always a great idea to figure out what is that one thing that you want to be known for? And can you make that applicable to the entire world as well as a specific audience. That's going to be a little bit more challenging if let's say you're a Facebook ads expert and that's what you want to speak mm -hmm. on. But if you can figure out looking in your background and I love to just take out a sheet of paper and I write zero to five, five to 10, 10 to 15, all the way down to my current age, put a key story that you can remember from your experience, good or bad in each little box and then just go through it and figure out what are the key lessons I learned from these different things. The more specific, the better. So not like how to be healthier, but specifically like how I healed my, I don't know, gallbladder from gallstones naturally. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, how I realized Big Macs were ruining my life. <laughs> there you go. Right. Right find those specific takeaways. And if you can at least get down to a couple of your key stories, let's take like two, then those can be the basis for some incredible talks. So for me, like we talked about something that intrigues everyone that I've been able to find in my story is color. 
well, how do I, how did I do that with story? Well, I had the background in film and TV. Then I dealt with multiple organ failure and had to heal myself naturally. So I had to learn about the body and the chakras and herbs and all that. So combining that into color psychology was a very unique pitch. And so I knew when I had that idea, when I was able to pitch it to TEDx, I think I applied to 30 or 40 places, I was able to get booked twice just on that subject. So if you can go through your story, find a couple of those key takeaways, be very specific, have that one key beautiful thing that in reality, maybe only you know, then that's going to make your pitch so much stronger. Instead of just going to the TEDx website, filling in just a general application and then crying into a pillow when you never hear anything back. (laughs) <laughs> but that's so important, right? And and I feel like that's a, a, a really good piece of advice because even right now I'm thinking back and I'm I'm picking up on these kind of ideas of things that happened and everything from the first time that my dad said to me, hey, you're never going to win that race. And I said, put your money where your mouth is. And he said, well, I'll give you 50 bucks if you win. And then I won because of the money. Like that was a great story <laughs> from when I was like eight. And I'm like, wow, maybe that could be something, you know? So yeah. I love the idea of just giving you a, a way to think back and have a different story for each year. And, um, and for anybody else that's kind of looking into this, there are probably going to be some people who no matter how hard they try, they can't come up with an original idea. Maybe it's not creative enough, or they can't really um, find that story that really fits well. For those people who, who maybe try this technique, and it's just not hitting home, and they can't get that original idea, and maybe they write off the whole TEDx idea, what would be your next piece of advice for them to, well, how can they get more visibility if they want to do speaking or, or anything like that? Awesome. So in that case, I would reverse engineer the process. I'm going to assume that these people are still some type of online or service-based entrepreneur, brick and mortar, whatever you are. And I would challenge you to make sure that you have a crystal clear mission statement. So instead of going through your story, let's go through what results you provide for your students. And what I'd love for you to do, I'm going to give you a formula. And that is, I'm going to say parentheses, and that just means that the words I'm going to say are in parentheses. I'm a parentheses title, parentheses, who helps parentheses, ideal client, parentheses, and then the rest of this is going to be in parentheses, result, result, result through signature offering. If you can break that down, and what I don't want to hear is I'm a health coach who helps women live healthier, fuller, more experiential lives, way too broad, right? Uh, I want to hear very specifically, I'm a gut health expert who helps women struggling with celiac disease, heal their gut naturally, wake up feeling refreshed and, you know, whatever through five small meals a day. You know what I mean? Just be very, very specific when you're able to find that clarity. No, no one likes the general stuff. It's just ridiculous. And I get it. I've been there. Trust me. I've had the worst mission statements in the world. So do not punish yourself. If your first one is awful, I want you to write it out at least 15 times and get as specific as you can. And when you get that, then I want you to look at those three key results that you give your clients, your students, your customers, and then underneath each one of those results, write out some key stories or some key experiences that have led you to becoming that expert. 
Because what you can do, because you're probably going to be more of a technically minded person, and I can totally relate to that, is you're going to be able to strategically build out three key speeches based on those three separate results that you give your clients. So for me, the three things that I like speaking about, well, one is the overall visibility from the background we talked about earlier in the show. The other one is color. I have a very unique background on that, like we've discussed. And the other one that we're talking about right now is TEDx. And I have a very unique background of how I was able to do that with Hollywood strategy. So you can do the exact same thing through the tangible results that you get your clients. You can shape three very powerful talks. Wow, that's amazing. And, uh, and that's funny, right? Because you've got two really good strategies there. You've got the first strategy, which is digging deep into your story and finding the unique element about it. And then you've got the other one, which is more centered around your business. So I, I feel like that's like a really well-rounded approach. And the other, the other kind of question while we're on the topic of speaking, and, and you may have some pretty funny stories of your own about this, but talk to us about some of the mistakes people make because I bet that's just, there's going to be some hilarious ones, some truly painful ones, and then some ones that we can probably all learn from as well, right? For sure. I think, you know, number one is not being specific enough. I think we've all been to those events where the different speakers get up and they just bore you to tears because it's so general. And most of it's just about 99% of them talking about themselves. Uh, a Getting up and being a public speaker really has nothing to do with you. You can use your story to facilitate a point of change for someone else, but it is not the spotlight. It's not, you know, an open mic night. So I think that's the number one thing that I would say <laughs> to remember. Because oh, otherwise you're not going to get booked again, right? Yeah. Uh, we've all seen that. And I know that that is definitely something that's pretty prevalent in Hollywood. So I would say that would be hearing how great one. you were, but like, we don't want to hear your story anymore. Sorry. No. Keep it short, keep it sweet. And um, if you're going to be vocalizing, especially something painful, that's fine. But it's with, especially when you get into talk structure, it's trying to get people into that new reality of accepting your idea and uh, using that in their lives. I think another mistake is not being comfortable and confident in front of the camera or on stage. Uh, especially when I went to the TEDx rehearsal, I had a lot of swears that they talked and they literally did this. If you're listening, I'm swaying back and forth like a fish right now. Or, you know, pacers or, you know, foot shifters or over gestures with their hands. And for me, I remember being in an acting class when I was like 18 and he walked me through, okay, show anger, show kindness, show joy, show tears. And I was like, I rocked that. I was amazing, right? I'm the best student in the class, just totally ego. And he played the tape back and my face did not change, not even an <laughs> eyebrow through the entire thing. And I was like, one emotion. What is wrong with me? I didn't have the skill yet to connotate what I was feeling on my face. And so we can tend to get into those behavioral cover-ups when we're on stage and get into nerves because that's what makes us feel uh, more safe. So I definitely recommend before you, um, before you apply even, just start taping yourself and watching yourself. And instead of you know beating yourself up and saying, that was terrible, which I hear all the time, especially people live streaming, it's a tool to learn. 
And you're not just comfortable on camera. It's a skill that you have to learn to be able to communicate into that lens like you do have someone sitting across from you from the table. And it's the same exact thing when you're on stage. You have to be talking to that one person. You have to be strategic and look into every person that you can hopefully see through the spotlight because it is kind of bright, looking in their eyeballs so that they can feel that personal connection to you. Yeah, it's funny when um, when I was in my sales job, we used to record our, our morning meetings on a weekend, and uh, mm. the first time that I got recorded, it was horrible because I was I just <laughs> remember I kept doing this with my hand, I kept doing this all the time. People, well, I call that the chop. My husband does chop, that. Right? My yeah. chop the whole time, like <laughs> chopping to the left, and I just said, I just kept saying, "It's kind of like," and every other word was, "It's kind of like," and oh my god, I, if I if you mm-hmm. catch me saying it on the podcast, then please tell me because <laughs> I'll just to- go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the big red button, right? Um, so I love that. I love that you say and give people that advice. And one thing that you just talked about there was the structure of the talk, and. Um, I'm I'm kind of fascinated about this because I've been doing a ton of research recently on the hero's two journeys and understanding how movies talk and can kind of take you through a journey. Is it the same with, with your talks? Do you follow the same kind of script as Hollywood, the, the two journeys? It definitely has some similarities. And if you want to see kind of what a Hollywood movie structure is for the people listening, just get a really bad movie like Godzilla then what you're going to be able to do is see when the different acts happen. Cause it's very like drastic, you know, like, okay, here's act three, four. Oh, here we are at the crescendo at seven. And here we go into eight, nine and 10. And it's the same kind of thing with a talk because you're taking them on a transformational journey to a new idea. And if you look into the science behind this, what you're trying to do is to create new neurons that come from T cells and then turn those into neural pathways, connections that they will keep repeating so that they will stay. That's why we need repetition, right? So we need to be able to help them physically adapt to this new idea. We're actually literally changing people's brains when we speak. So in order to do that, you have to keep them comfortable with where they're at. You have to present how things could possibly change. Then you have to take them back to being comfortable here's how things could change back to being comfortable and then really take them to look at this new reality and get them to bring in that idea and fully accept it. And the way that we do that most likely halfway through stats and figures, if you can, if you have that personality type, if you don't, then 100% with story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that so much. And, and that's, what's interesting is I'm learning more and more that story is the preferred medium by most people to, to be able to get through and, and to understand the concept. And I only started to pick up on it. And now I'm sort of hyper aware of whenever I watch a movie or I listen to a podcast or a talk, I'm like, what's making me feel these emotions? What's making me get to this end result? And what's making me have this idea? And kind of like, I challenge myself now to kind of first of all enjoy the movie once through and then if i if i really enjoy it listen to it again and watch it again to learn the other things that kind of come into it um so i think that's really useful by the way this is a great episode you've got so much oh good advice about how to be comfortable and how to have a real plan of getting more visible so we focused a lot about talking about speeches and and being a public speaker but there'll be a lot of people out there who don't necessarily have that as a goal or don't feel that they're comfortable enough. So if, if there's somebody else out there that wants to get way more visibility, what's your favorite way apart from speaking for people to get more visible online? 
Oh, that's so hard. Oh my goodness. Um, I would say a lot of people and no offense to anyone listening. If you've done this, I'm not saying it's not successful, but what I am saying is the mistake I made is that I tried doing too much on my own too early. So I launched my first podcast, my summit, you know, in-person events, all that kind of stuff, uh, on my own dollar and dependent on my own audience. And that makes things a lot harder than they could be. So if you're in the stage of first starting to get out there and get more visible, of course you can do live streams and do all that. But I would highly recommend, uh, seeking out podcasts to guest on just like I'm doing right now. If you can really hone in, it doesn't have to be a signature speech, but if you can look into those three results you give your audience and create really powerful examples like we're doing on this show right now, there's no reason that experts that are having podcasts all over the world wouldn't want to book you. They're always looking for guests. And if you can give them those tangible takeaways and just start that application process, then that's a way to incredibly build your audience and start uh seeing more eyeballs on your website. So that's what I would probably suggest that they do. Yeah, that's good advice. Cause I see a lot of people who they, they get in their head that they have to be publishing every day and they go live mm-hmm. on their Facebook profile where three people are seeing it every day, the same mm-hmm. three people and they can get burnt out because there's no way that with the algorithm and how things work that they can get more exposure than that. But, you know, and then that can feel very like detrimental. They might be making tremendous progress, but there's, there's nothing new that's coming in, right? It's spinning the wheels in the same way. So I, I actually exactly. agree with you. I think guest podcasting is one of the best things you can do. And it's funny, actually, I've got a couple of really great guests who I've had on my show who I think you would love to have on your show. So I can't wait to tell you that at the end of the Yeah, they're on my way. 100%. So I love, I love everything we've been covering. Um, is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that you think would be really interesting for our audience to, to hear and bring forward? I think let's talk just a little bit about uh, TV segments. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of a natural bridge from, okay, now that I'm starting to book stages, how do I grow my publicity even more? And there are a lot of different opportunities that you can do. And what I did for my first TV appearance is I actually looked at shows in the Los Angeles area that were newer and that had live streaming as their main platform. And that's how I found. Oh, okay. I'm with you on this because for a second there, I thought you meant being like on a, on like a fictional TV show. (laughs) And I was like, How's being featured in Game of Thrones going to help? But when we, you're you trying like to get on Outlander, right? Like that's what you mean. The five right? steps to building a believable <laughs> accent for Outlander. Can you no. tell <laughs> I've got flu brain and it's not working effectively. Like, so, so you mean like uh, live TV appearances, like talk yes. shows, things like that? Okay, so yes. I'm on I the same. We're there. We're there. Yeah. I hear a lot that people want to know, what do I do after I've started speaking or after I've been podcast guesting, what's the next step? And, uh, there's a lot that you can do in terms of getting onto a TV segment or, you know, a live streaming show like good morning, la la land that does both, uh, getting into mag magazines, getting featured in Huffington post or medium or Buzzfeed. So know that every single thing is a stepping stone. And I don't want you to have the false belief 
that the only way that you'll make it is getting checking off these certain lists of appearances. Because remember, that doesn't necessarily affect your revenue. Yeah, you know, if you get on the Ellen Show, more than likely you're going to have some kind of flood of customers, but it builds your credibility and that helps you for the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And what it does for our students is that whenever they come to our website, they immediately have more trust in who we are because we have been featured in those places. So I don't like to look at that as a vanity metric. I like to look at it as a strategy to serve my students more. And especially in my monthly membership, they're able to see like, oh, she did this appearance. Okay, how do I do that? And I break it down for them so they can have a better chance of success and do it in a shorter time than I did. So I think however you can weave that all back to the original intent when you first started your business of serving your customer that's going to keep you in the fast tracks to success because you have the right intention going into it. And Michelle, do you feel like a very uh, important part to all of this is having a clear vision to where you want to go? I believe that that is the second most important part. I would venture to say that the number one is your biggest why. And I believe that is how are you going to use your revenue to further change in the world where it's been specifically put on your heart. So for me, it's very much like, uh, it's, I'm weird to think I'm such a nerd, Jamie, uh, like bee population, ocean cleanup, planting trees, like helping areas oh, where there's been natural disasters. I mean, huge nerd. I'm just kidding. Yeah. It's I true, love that though. though. That's amazing. That's my heart. So, and you, you might be different and other people, they want to help the homeless or help the school system. Whatever's been put on your heart, which is your unique mission. That's what our mission and what we do in our business should facilitate. So that's my number one driver. Yeah, I really love that. I listened to a talk by uh, Rachel Peterson um, just before I love Rachel. Uh, Funnel Hacking Live. She's amazing, right? And she said yeah. to us at the talk, she said, don't wait until you've made a lot of money to start giving back to the causes that you really care about. Because if you wait that long, you'll end up not doing it. You know, she said, like, just start now, whatever it is, and, and really start to give back. And I, I thought that was really important. And, and it's definitely, it gives you that thought process, right? Of like, what is the why? What is the reason I want to do this? Where do I want to help people? And I think that is really, really important. Um, so I, I love everything that you've shared so far. One thing that we really love to dig into, because on our show, we, we talk a lot about you know, the truth and, and the scary stuff that people don't like to admit, but we also want to learn more about how people have created mass movements and how they've built their business. Michelle, can you, can you share a little bit about how the transformation of your business has, has kind of evolved over time and, and the kind of steps that you've done to create your own mass movement? Definitely. I think the best thing I ever did was I turned everything off. I took one sheet of paper. No, that's a lie. I took 10 sheets of paper and I went up to the coffee shop and I turned off my phone. I turned off everything and I just started writing things out. And I wrote out a manifesto for Visibility Vixen and the kind of tribe that I wanted to lead. I wrote out the journey I wanted to take them on from start to finish. I wrote out what I wanted to change in the world like we just talked about and just kind of put together and it just flowed out. And I think that's incredibly important because yes, we're originators and we're creators, but I also believe that we're all sent here with a specific mission of who we can help. And sometimes we miss out on getting that strategic advice from wherever you want to believe it comes from because there's too much noise. So I can credit every big idea, every success, every piece of the movement to stepping into that quiet space and just listening and being that vessel for it to come through. 
So that would probably be my biggest thing. Um, it hasn't been a strategic funnel or anything like that. It's been that bigger picture of just figuring out what is it that people need to hear and what's the biggest thing I can help them overcome through my story and what I've been through. And I think that's really important. And, and that's why I, I love to ask this question, because I think sometimes when entrepreneurs are looking for the answer, they are looking for the tactic or the, the trick or the goal or the do put your pixel in this place and it's going to do this for you. But in reality, it usually comes down to the why you're doing it, making sure you're speaking to the right person and having that vision for where you want to take people. So I'm really curious because I get a lot of entrepreneurs on who are very successful like you, and I would class you in the, the top tier, somebody that's obviously killing it online. And then we have some other people who are just starting out. And I feel like it's good to have that variety so people can get inspiration on all ends. But can you tell yeah. us a little bit about where your vision is for the next five years for where you want to go in your life and business? That's such a good question. And I think for the past couple of years, I've lived so much in the future and I've been really working on myself to be more present. And what I see for my future is definitely scaling my membership even more. I want that to be the main place where people can get those tangible results. So my dream is everyday people being able to put together their brand and start guesting on shows, starting their own, and then launching their own book within a year and speeding up that time frame for people. And then I really am passionate about this new program that is literally, we just started a week ago called the Applause this is Academy. The applause Academy? Yeah. This is the Applause Academy. And I'm so in love with it. Uh, and just proud of everything that I've been fortunate enough to learn to speed up people's progress. I think that's my biggest dream is just to speed it up. And then my goal is one year from probably this month, hosting my first live event in Quarterly, Idaho. I have the venue picked out. It's all ready to go. I want people coming, getting on stage, speaking. I want to capture it, give them a speaking reel and just help them move even faster. I think that that's what everything is all about, especially for people that feel like they can't do it because they can. They just need the tactics and the strategy. Wow, that's amazing. You'll have to let me know when it launches because I would definitely love to I be will. there. That sounds amazing. Me too. I would love for you to be there. That. The Applause Academy. That sounds so cool. So I want to, I just want to get, take an opportunity here to find out a little bit more about your membership. Cause I, I know, um, that often with memberships and, and the, the way that they work is that the, the kind of design behind them is that they can be super, you know, realistically affordable for people so that the everyday person can really start to make progress towards their goals. And I love that model because Rachel does the same goal and it's all about mm -hmm. helping people get to that end goal. Is your model pretty similar and, and tell us a little bit how it works. I appreciate that. I, uh, the visibility lounge has four stages and it's all kind of Hollywood theme, which is really fun. Uh, audition guest star leading role and celebrity. And so it is that monthly model where it's more affordable right now, as of when we recorded the show at 77 a month. And so that's the ability to come in and get all of these trainings, but I do it in a specific way because the number one reason why people quit courses and memberships is content overwhelm. So with that in mind, because so many of us think that we just have to like verbally just vomit everything that we know. Instead, it is very much paced and dripped out so that you cannot move on to the next stage until you pass an assessment after the first stage with at least 80% success. 
So what's really fun about that is people get to work through, see those tangible results, and then get unlocked to the next stage and the next stage until they are at that final stage where they're launching their book, getting on stage, booking TEDx, hosting their first live event. So that's what I really love about the lounge. And it's things that I've learned over the past two years that, um, I just kind of did things differently and it worked like with the Amazon bestseller, like whoever thought that that would happen. Right. So it's really fun for me to bring that in and then have the live community where I can be in there serving my students with hot seats and accountability calls. That's amazing. And congratulations about being a bestseller as well. That's such a cool thing to have like on your mantle. And that's the kind of stuff you can tell like your kids and your grandkids and stuff like that, which is, which is a whole lot of fun. And watch them roll their eyes. I can't wait. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah I used to be a bestseller. Yeah, right, exactly. That's... Like we talked about in 1919. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Grandma, books aren't even a thing anymore. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. I love that so much. And I love the fact that you, like, almost have it as a game inside your course. Like, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's like, oh, man, i got to beat this level and get through to the next part, right? That sounds like a whole... I love that. And I took uh, Stu McLaren's Tribe. And that was really helpful as well. I had a lot of the moving pieces, but figuring out how to put them together was definitely with Stu's help. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Especially with the, the you didn't have another WordPress crisis, I hope. And <laughs> could get- I ran from WordPress into Kajabi's arms and it's the best hug I've ever received. And I don't think I'm ever leaving. <laughs> that's perfect. So, so for somebody that's listening to this right now, um, because I just know that that program that you have is going to help a lot of people. Who is the perfect person that would benefit from that program the most? The perfect person would be someone running an online business who is stuck in the CEO role. So they're managing it, working in the hustle day to day. This is whether or not you have a team and you're looking to get seen more, get more eyeballs on your business and become more well-known in your niche, whether you're a social media manager, a life coach, a health coach, a online strategist, whatever it may be. So the land is definitely, if you're ready to take your brand to that next level, start booking interviews, releasing your first brand video, getting TV appearances and all that kind of stuff. So you're ready to increase your credibility online and have that equal more revenue to your business. That's amazing, Michelle. Well, listen, I've had an absolute blast on this interview. It's been so much fun speaking to you. You're such an amazing guest. And what I want to do is make sure that people have the opportunity to follow along because you can tell you're such a great uh, guest on podcast. I bet your podcast is going to be such a a great place for people to go and check out. So if people want to follow along, if they want to maybe check out your course and also your podcast, where would be the best place for them to go? Absolutely. Hop on over to visibilityvixen.com. That's the website. That's all the social media platforms. Definitely shout me out, shout Jamie out. If you listen to this show, be sure to give this a five-star review that helps with his visibility, especially on places like iTunes. And I would love to meet you and interact with you and see what your biggest takeaway was. Wow. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Michelle. And who knows, maybe we'll have you on in the future as well. Heck yeah, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free. 
One, check out my video on how we're building a pipeline that produces 30 plus prime sales calls every single week using podcast setters and a basic interview funnel. And this is actually how I was able to quit social media forever. You can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash setters. Two, if you're a six or a seven figure entrepreneur with a podcast, we actually want to interview you on one of our top 100 shows. Head to top100interview.com and then three, download our podcast closing formula. It shows you how to create a podcast sales team that books out your sales calendar each week using the podcast closing client attraction method. And you can go to podcastrebels.com forward slash podcast formula. Now at podcastclosing.com, we help six and seven figure entrepreneurs with podcasts create a system for predictable client acquisition without relying on paid advertising or social media by building out podcast sales teams. Now, if you want help turning your podcast into a high-ticket client acquisition machine, then book a call with our team to see how we can help. Go to podcastrebels.com forward slash chat. All right, guys, we'll see you in the next interview.